0: This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1048. Can sugar be good for you? The first diet book review, part one, by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. And I'm your host and narrator, Dr. Neil. Hey, happy middle of the week Wednesday and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I read some of the best health and fitness blogs to you, usually with a little bit of my own commentary at the end. Now, today's post is a bit on the longer side, so as usual, I'll read the first half today and then finish it up for you tomorrow. Now, I'm actually reading to you a second blog post of JC reviewing a book called The First Diet. So you can check out his part one on his site, JCD Fitness. Now, it's the middle of the week, and like I do every Wednesday, I'd like to give you a little bit of inspiration. So here we go. Quote, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. Amy Cuddy, professor at the Harvard Business School. Now, don't forget, I answer your questions every Friday you can send one in by email to health at oldpodcast.com. If you do, well, first you make me super happy because I love listening to or now reading your questions and you'll be entered into special small raffles to win books from us. But for now, it's time we finally get to today's post and start optimizing your life. Can sugar be good for you? The First Diet Book Review, Part 1 by J.C. Dean of jcdfitness.com. Is sugar good for you? If you're one of those people who believes the headlines about sugar being toxic or causing all kinds of disease, this chapter will literally snatch you up from those pits of and put you back on your feet. While I can't go into everything from the book, here are the cliffs I took from it. Fructose is wrongly demonized, mostly because it's misunderstood from a practicality standpoint. When people say fructose will make you fat, they're often referring to the studies where rats were given astronomical amounts that aren't found in human intakes, even among those who drink the sweetest of sugary drinks. The thing is this, every macronutrient can make you fat if you overeat enough of it. It's easier to overeat sugary foods, especially when they're paired with a fat source. Cupcakes, anyone? Sugar is not as addictive as cocaine. Addiction is a complicated thing. But sugar, in and of itself, is not as addictive as the drug. Addiction is multifaceted. There are physiological and psychological dependencies. There are even situational and behavioral dependencies. Many addictions have a mix of these elements, which makes the concept incredibly complicated. Can food become addictive? Sure, but it's not the same as being addicted to something like cocaine. Those are headlines written by sensationalist journalists trying to get your attention. Fructose gets stored in your liver, and this is a great thing because it can protect your lean body mass. The glycogen, or sugar, stored in your liver is for reserve if and when your blood sugar gets low. So if you're not consuming much fructose and end up skipping a meal or two, you will feel the energy dips often associated with low blood sugar. And if your liver is low on sugar, your body will release stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol to increase your blood sugar. Fructose doesn't spike your insulin. Many people will recommend to avoid fruit or fruit juices because of all the sugar and will claim it can wreak havoc on your blood sugar levels. However, since fructose is very low on the glycemic index with an index of 19, which is five times lower than a potato, it hardly has an impact on insulin levels and can help keep blood sugar levels steady, especially eaten within a mixed meal, like one that contains protein, carbs, and fat. Fructose doesn't make you fat, gasp. This is taken straight from the book. Quote, Many people will tell you that fructose can make you fat because fructose can damage your metabolism and impair your ability to use carbohydrates for energy. This is not true, and these claims are usually backed up by poorly designed studies. These studies should be largely ignored because of three primary reasons. Reason one rats do not handle fructose as well as humans do. Reason two researchers often grossly overfeed rats on fructose, with a dose larger than most humans could possibly consume. And reason three Isolated fructose is virtually never found in nature. Fructose is almost always accompanied by glucose, and that is exactly what sugar is. Half glucose, half fructose. Studies done with pure fructose are unrealistic and do not apply to real-world situations. Lastly, fructose does not make people fat, because the fact is, studies show fructose added to glucose increases total carbohydrate usage as compared to glucose alone. So when you eat Glucose and fructose together, like you find in sugar, your ability to use carbohydrates for energy goes up, not down, and that means an increased metabolism. End quote. All right, this chapter sets you straight on most all of the sugar myths the media perpetuates. Sean does a good job looking at the bad science and explaining the role sugar plays in a healthy diet. So, as long as you're getting enough carbohydrates, starch, and sugar to cover your needs for glycogen replenishment and to fuel your brain, you're good. Balance it out with enough fat and protein, and you're on your way to high performance and good health. The often neglected amino acids and other nutrients. In the West, we're accustomed to lots of muscle meat. Sure, some like the odd organ dish every once in a while. But when dining out or at a friend's place, you're rarely served up a plate of liver, kidneys, or heart. To take it further, it's even more rare to consume the throwaways of the animal, the feet, bones, tendons, intestines, etc. But eating the whole animal, also known as eating head to tail, is as old as we are. Lots of people my age and younger will turn their noses up at the thought of eating liver, heart, tendon, or the feet of an animal. I won't lie, when I first began investigating this, I wasn't exactly excited, but I was eager to learn. I'm not a fan of beef liver, but I eat it weekly, strictly for the vitamin A content. I was introduced to beef heart by my best friend, who has traveled to South America over 50 times? He'd often eat it in Peru as street food. So I got some heart from the local butcher and made the dish called anticucho on the grill. To my surprise, it was amazing. It was even better during my travels to Peru, eating it street side. I happen to love bone broth and beef tendon, typically served in traditional Vietnamese pho noodle soups, so that's a plus when dining out. And more recently, I made it a pretty good habit to make bone broth just about every week, if I can't buy some in advance from the butcher. As of writing this, I have a pot boiling with a mixture of beef marrow bones, oxtail, and chicken feet. So what's the point? Our ancestors ate nose to tail, not because they loved every bite, but because they didn't want to waste any food. It might be an unknown amount of time before their next meal, so nothing should go to waste. And while they didn't know it, those other parts of the animal were serving them metabolically with extra vitamin and mineral content. Glycine, the hard-to-get amino acid. Hear that on tomorrow's episode. You just listened to part one of the post titled, Can Sugar Be Good For You? The First Diet Book Review by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. So the reason fructose often gets a bad rap is because it tends to be easier for the body to store as fat. When we look at how the body processes fructose, it turns out that fructose can easily bypass some of the metabolic pathways in the body. I'll try and briefly explain. Imagine there are two cars driving down a highway. One is the glucose car and the other is the fructose car. Now imagine, both are heading to a fat cell as their final destination. The glucose car isn't using Google Maps or Waze and ends up exiting the highway and taking surface streets to get to the fat cell. This takes it much longer to get there. But the fructose car is using Google Maps and gets to the fat cell much more quickly. Now, this is a simplified version of how the body treats each of these forms of sugar. Glucose takes a bit longer to get converted to fat, whereas fructose skips some of those steps. But as JC accurately pointed out, rarely do we consume pure fructose. When we eat fruit, for example, fruit being a major source of fructose, we not only get some glucose mixed in, but we get some dietary fiber too. This fiber slows down the absorption of those sugars. The problem with fruit juices specifically is that they often remove some or most of that fiber. This allows both fructose and glucose to enter the bloodstream more quickly, which may make both more likely to get stored as fat. But if you're relatively active, what often happens is your body is more likely to convert both fructose and glucose to stored sugar instead of fat. That stored sugar or glycogen will later be used as energy. Now, if you juice vegetables, on the other hand, it isn't a big problem. That's because most vegetables, like leafy greens, are very, very low in sugar. So when someone tells me that they're consuming a vegetable smoothie, and when I learn that most of the ingredients are green leafy vegetables, for example, I don't worry as much. All right, that does it for today. I hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll see you back here for tomorrow's show, where we'll finish up this post and where your optimal life awaits.